Hello and welcome to Picking Up Pieces. This is Kyra Hammerstrom, and today we're going to be talking about imagery meditation. If you're listening to this for mental health support techniques, there's a very good chance that you have meditated in the past. But today I'm going to discuss two techniques using music that you may not have tried before. So, the first one, I usually call it the lyrical technique or the more simple technique. This one is very useful for multitasking, meaning that you can meditate and do another relatively mindless task at the same time. For example, if you're doing chores like dusting or something. This technique, I will actually typically use pop music. I know there's a bit of a stereotype that composers hate pop music, but I actually quite like it. And I will listen to the radio quite a bit. This technique can also be used for my composer friends who cannot stand pop music on programmatic concert works. Some of the best examples are Vivaldi's Four Seasons, and I also like to use a lot of work by um, Samuel Hazo, who is a concert band composer. Works like Fantasy on a Japanese Folk Song and Arabesque. Some other good examples are All Trails Lead West. I can't remember the composer at the moment of that one. And Mystery on Men and Mountain by Julie Giroux. These pieces are considered programmatic because they tell a story. And the idea is you can use the lyrics or the outline of what the programmatic piece is trying to convey and then reinterpret them or rewrite them so that they apply to you personally. As an Aeroace person, this comes very naturally to me. Because as I listen to the radio and every song is about romantic attraction, it's I will rewrite them to mean things such as family or platonicism. But if it doesn't come naturally to you, that's okay. It'll come with practice. And the best way is to look at all the lyrics written down and then go line by line and think, does this have a personal experience? Does this evoke a certain memory? With the programmatic concert piece, it's useful to look at the program notes. They don't have, they don't aren't there on a lot of Baroque and classical pieces such as Vivaldi's Four Seasons or Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, but you can find them on a lot of modern works. After you've um, analyzed how they apply to you, you use that analysis similar to how you would use a narrator or an instructor, like a yoga instructor, in a guided meditation exercise. You can either read them as you listen to the piece, or you can just think them and repeat them in your head. Either way works, I prefer to repeat them in my head. The second technique is, is I consider the more advanced technique. 
This one did take me a while to learn, but it's been incredibly useful and I think has not only helped my anxiety, but also furthered my career as a composer significantly. This technique I like to use on certain concert pieces. Some of my favorites to use are um, Mozart's Clarinet Concerto, Beethoven's Sixth Symphony, which is my all-time favorite piece of music, and John Mackey's Undertow, and several pieces by him, Brian Balmage's. In this case, you're not imagining a particular relation to you. You're imagining a particular place. It could be a place that you feel is depicted in a piece. It doesn't have to be exactly what the composer intended either. Because of this, I often write my work with places in mind. Such an example of this is the intro theme, Canicule Douce, which is written about small neighborhood streets in very hot but dry weather. The trick is while listening to a piece to focus on the place and begin to understand how you can interact with this image. It's similar to reading a book for my bookworm friends. But I feel that this meditation technique allows you to interact with the place more significantly than if you were reading a book. Some of the things I like to do when I'm doing this imagery is to look for different aspects of the environment. The first thing I always think to myself is, is there water in this place? And if so, where is it? Is it flowing water? Is it a big body of water like a lake? Is it just a little bit? Is it raining? I will continue to think questions like this to myself and begin to understand exactly what I'm imagining. In that case, then you can almost start to interact with it. Is the, is the water warm? Is the air warm? Is there wind? What kind of grass is there? These are questions that makes sense to ask. These are also the questions that I'm asking while I'm composing. I am visualizing this idea of a place and I am working to translate that into music. My current best example is I'm working on a symphony and it is about the Alps in Western Switzerland, specifically. And a lot of the first movement has a very strong emphasis on the very particular shade of gray on the tops of the mountains. And I'm asking myself the question, 
how do I use music to depict that? What kind of chord structure am I using? What kind of voicing am I using? And I'm using these techniques to help me further my work. This is also useful even when one isn't listening to the particular piece. Even when you're not listening to the particular piece, if you have this concept, it's a concept that you're reusing over and over again, it can provide a mental refuge point for panic attacks. Personally, the idea of a mental refuge point doesn't help me with panic attacks, but it can help me with strong anxiety or discomfort due to my environment. If I'm watching a scary movie, this is the technique that I will use. Or if it's after the scary movie and it's the middle of the night and I have to use the bathroom, which is all the way down the hall. This technique doesn't, even though this technique doesn't personally help me while I'm having a panic attack, it might help some of you. That being said, it does help me with my general anxiety. And the biggest thing is it helps me with my trichotillomania. I almost never have compulsive urges while I'm listening to music in general. And they're far less. And the calmness, the absence of these urges lasts longer if I'm using either of these meditation techniques. For me, both are effective, and so they work better in different situations. The basic technique works very well for um, environmental stress, and having a generalized anxiety disorder can cause outside stress to appear far worse, and this helps me bring it back into what would be considered the normal range or less. The advanced technique helps me sleep and it helps more with my trichotillomania than the basic technique. But they are both useful for different situations. And as I said, the advanced technique requires a lot more time dedication. I can't do something else while doing this advanced meditation technique. Whereas with the basic technique, I'm able to multitask, which makes it a little bit more useful in busy situations. So those are the two meditation techniques that I use. I hope this can be helpful for some people or at least informative to understand and even if you don't have a mental illness life can be hard and these coping strategies can help anybody regardless of any sort of diagnosis thank you for listening i'll see you in the next episode <laughs>